my uh, my girls have been playing with my audio equipment. All the knobs are turned in all different directions, and uh, <laughs> and now in my headphones, all I hear is psh, and I can't figure out like what they did, but whatever. <laughs> ah, these girls! I swear, I came. I came in the living room. So all this set up on like on our dining table, which is on one side of the living room, right? I came uh-huh. in uh, a few days ago and everything was weird. Like my glasses were moved. My, uh, everything was just moved. And I look at my headphones and they have like the little ear tips and the ear tips are gone. They're like off. And I'm like, they're not there. And Ursula, who's three, I'm like, Ursula, did you mess with this? She's like, no, no. I'm like, are you sure? Because it looks like it looks like somebody messed with this stuff over here. Did you mess with it? She's like, no. <laughs> and I look at her, I'm like, do you know where these ear tips are for these headphones? And she just kind of like looks down, I'm like, get them right now. And she comes over. She like taken them off and put them inside the printer. There's a printer over here. She stuck them no. in the printer. <laughs> she knew exactly where they were. So I, I, I have... You know, pretty much uh, one guess of who's been messing with uh, all the the buttons and knobs over here. That's funny. Yeah. So yeah. hopefully, when I put this in post and clean up the audio a little bit, it'll take out that hiss. Can you hear that hiss? No. Jesus, it's driving me crazy. No. Honestly, I don't hear it. That's all I hear. It just hmm. is what it is. Yeah. My parents would have beat me for doing that. Like beat me. That's a whole different conversation, but. That's the same. I remember getting up or growing up getting, you know, spanked with a bell, spanked with a board or, you know, whatever the case may be. And to this day, the th- it wasn't about getting in trouble and it wasn't even the punishment. I could not stand that, you know, submissive, now I know the word, I didn't then, you know, the bending over pulling your pants down, blah, 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 blah. Um, I just couldn't stand it. So, ba- you know, based on that, I couldn't do that with my kids. I was raised in a very physical, uh, people call it abusive now, abusive household where, especially my mom, dude, she would like have you go cut your own switch and then essentially <laughs> beat you with it till you're like, you're bleeding, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, and that's the way I grew up when I was little and Anyways, um, but, you know, patterns repeat themselves. And so your instinct, because that's what you know, mm-hmm. is now I have kids. When your kids do something bad, you, you revert to what was done to you. But, uh, you know, I do everything I can to break that, that cycle. So I agree. And you know what? I'll be honest with you. I've never been a believer in that. Yeah. I know that sounds terrible. Anybody listen to, you know, or if you're recording this, I don't know, but you know, I've, I've heard that a million times. Like, you know, if you grow up in an alcoholic, you know, you're going to be an alcoholic. If you go smoking, you're going to be a smoker. And I grew up with both of those things. And because I disliked them so much and the person too, who in similar to you, who is a, a, an abusive stepfather, I don't drink and I don't smoke. And I, I can't say it's because such a subconscious thing I'm worried about that I'm getting an Number one, I can't stand the taste of beer. I don't understand it. And wine is disgusting to me. I don't get that. So, you know, I've never, um, I don't know what makes that cycle change, but because of my own experience, I'm just going to say I'm a firm believer that all of us have personal choices to make. 
And I think sometimes the, and I hate to say the psychology around it, it gives people a room for blame that I don't know necessarily exists, in my opinion, solely my opinion. Well, I, I agree with what you're saying, because when I grew up in that household, obviously I didn't like it. And it wasn't something I think, oh, my parents did that right, because they didn't. They didn't do that right at all. Uh, but that's the way they were raised. Mm-hmm. And that's the way their parents were raised. And the cycle continues, and it continues, and it continues. And, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully I'm the person that breaks that cycle in, in my chain of family that, uh, that we stopped doing that. Because I don't want to reign with fear. I don't want my girls to fear me, and that's the only reason no. they do the right thing. Agreed. I want them to do yeah, the right yeah. thing because they understand this is right. This is, you know, this is a reason. So, yeah, because their own internal moral code and integrity. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I agree with 100%. So, like, put, put your cart away. Yeah. Don't just roll it into the middle of the, of the parking lot. Yeah. You, you know where the cart bin is. Just- it's funny you, you brought that up because uh, you had a conversation with somebody recently. Um, and you, told me, you told me about that conversation. It was interesting. But uh, the conversation essentially was about doing the right thing for the sake of doing the right thing. Not mm-hmm. because laws tell you you have to do the right thing. And I think either you or that person had had a really great analogy of mm-hmm. a trailer getting bro- they had a trailer that got broke into or something, a trailer getting broke into. And even though there's laws on the books that say don't break into people's trailers, somebody still did, and it made them feel really bad. And uh, right. and there's a lot of hassle. And then even though there's laws, now you got to hunt the person down, you got to take them to court. Well, now it's not going to be criminal; it's going to be a civil lawsuit. Right. So now you're going to have to hire lawyers and uh, the whole thing. And it's just doing right by other people for the sake of doing right. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just say that the ultimate part of that story, cause we were talking about other things was that, you know, we do live in a country that there's a lot of very good, whether we call them laws, rules, whatever, you know, protections for yourself. And at the end of the day, the difficulty with all that is number one, are you in a, in a position, whether financial or otherwise, that those rules and laws you can use to your advantage, right? Like, you know, whatever, you know, pay for certain things and this and this. so it's, it's working to your advantage. But the ultimate, which some of us is see, seeing both ways is, but it's just really hard because that doesn't stop people from being jerks, assholes. And in this case, that's what we happen to be talking about all that, these ways of protecting yourselves, which it's the right thing to do, but there's a balance on what you can or can't do based on what you can afford, et cetera, et cetera. It was a very good conversation. In fact, I look forward to talking to him. It it was a great conversation. And we just happened to be talking about that when it came up that recently someone had broke into her trailer and, you know, and it's just how horrible, even though there was nothing in the trailer, not that that matters, just the idea that someone did damage to your personal property. And I guarantee you the person who did those damages knew full well that number one, that wasn't their trailer. You know what I mean? I'm guessing they didn't know it was empty. So their hope was there was something in there that they were going to get a windfall of something. But at the end of the day, the person who ends up paying the price to fix their trailer is the owner yeah. When all along you were just hoping like, why did you have to break into my trailer? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Well, you've had a few conversations this week. So I've been moving 
my um, my stuff from storage in Arkansas, my shop, up to Wichita, and then I'm done. I, last night, final trip, got back, got everything. Buddy. That's Dude, awesome. I made like, I don't know, eight trips, nine trips total, back and forth. Yeah, but you got a whole lot of me time, so good for you. I did. I listened to a ton of audiobooks and a ton of podcasts, and it was really, really, really good for that because it's been a while since I've had that much time to uh, to catch up on things, and that was that was worth it. But anyways, where I was going with that is this week for me, I haven't had a whole lot of conversations with people because I've been driving, and if anybody doesn't know, there's like the no man's land in Kansas where there's no cell reception for huge swaths of time. Really? And, um, well, you know that because you'll call me and then it drops out and then, you know, an hour later I'll call you back when I have reception. But you think it's so flat. It should just have. <laughs> I think there's just not enough population there that the cell companies haven't invested in towers. It's oh, just towers, wide yeah. open and nobody lives out there. So anyway, so I haven't had conversations, but you've had conversations. And when we do talk, you, you catch up and you tell me about some of these conversations that are, that are interesting. And one of the right. ones that you had that was interesting, that's something we've heard before, is you're talking to somebody about sealer and they said they, they weren't interested in using ICT because you continually change the formulation, and that was a negative for them. You want to talk about that? Yeah, I, I've heard that many times over the years. I, I specifically know a couple of the individuals that, I don't know, let's say that's their mantra, and that's okay. I totally okay. <clears throat> Along that same lines, I, I hate to say I chuckle at it, because even in the conversation, I, I, I immediately, you've known me long enough, man. As soon as that, you know, as soon as that, I, I literally started chuckling and I didn't mean it in any disrespect, but it instantly told me that, it, I don't know, there's so many ways to look at it, but this is the way I look at it. We develop and manufacture our own materials. I know I've said this before. I said it many times. The difficulty with knowing John Schuler is I'm very open with the information and I know too much. And I don't, when I say I know too much, that's not, Ooh, I'm so smart. What I mean is about the materials and what I'm doing. I know too much because it's mine. And with that, I'm quite open with people. And what I think is a positive way, because I want, I want people to be successful. So with that success, I want to be open about where things are going what I'm trying to improve, you know, and so forth and so on. You know, what I say is the future of both the products and the industry. And in that conversation, the reason I chuckled is, and again, I've heard this many times, I want a product that, that doesn't change. You know, a product like the only thing I might change is the application technique is, you know, the materials they can't change. But what, which I hate to say is, a key point. So a key point is all raw materials are changing. I know this because I deal with the raw material companies and yearly, bi-yearly, they are consistently from a chemistry standing point, having to change those technologies to fit VOCs, uh, like we're seeing with cement, which is a different one, cement, um, what's going on right now, right? And combating CO2, global warming, and these kind of things. I mean, it's post-COVID raw material shortages. The materials behind the scenes are continuing to change. 
And what I'd say to anybody who doesn't believe that is that if you're getting materials from a supplier who says otherwise, it's, in my opinion, it's really one of two things. And neither one of them I'm going to say are bad. It just is what it is. Number one, they're a supplier, so they don't know it's being changed. Or number two, they're flat out just not telling you the truth or not being open with the information. And, um, and that's okay. You know, if that's, I guess at the end of the day, if, if that's the cross that I have to bear, you know, you know, does it, does it bum you out a little bit that, that somebody makes that a reason not to give something a try? Yeah. But, but at the same time, you know, we're all different. We all have different personalities. We all look at things differently. And if that's one of the reasons that somebody shies away with, you know, or from things that I'm working on because of this potential of John Schuler working on these, by the way, always for improvement, not to go backwards. It's always for improvement. Then it is what it is. Um, and I just remembered in one of the conversations, what I did not say is, so the CT technology has not been altered in, I don't know, five years. So, but you know, maybe that's not a long enough time Yeah. to, to say I'm not, and, but here's the other side. Sorry. I interrupted. Will I change it? If, if there's changes that I can make to improve whatever John Schuler feels like can be improved. Well, there's the downside. Cause if that bothers somebody, the answer is yes. Yeah. In a heartbeat. Well, Okay, so here's my view on it. And by the way, while you were talking, I was messing with these knobs. I figured it out. Now there's no hiss, so I can actually have a clear train of thought. Because before, it was like uh, mental torture. It was just craziness, right? Oh, my God. I couldn't think. But anyways, uh, I got that sorted out, so that's good. So when we had this conversation a few days ago, maybe even yesterday. I think yesterday we had this conversation. But when we had this conversation, what came to mind for me was people diminishing John Schuler ICT because of the continual uh, improvement. Oh, well, it changed. We, we can't, we can't do that because it changed. I'm like, what, what iPhone do you have? Do you have iPhone one? No, no, you don't have iPhone one. Well, that was a good phone. Why not just keep that one? Oh, you want the newest one. You want the one with the better camera, the better cell phone reception, the better, whatever it is, all the new mm -hmm. features. So you don't get mad at other things for continually improve your vehicle, you know, the one you bought 20 right. years ago, it got you where you needed to go, but you want the new one with the heated seats and the cooled seats and the heated steering wheel. You want improvements. Those are the things that you want. So you want those in everything in life except for your sealer. And I don't believe they actually don't want it. I think it's just something they can point to to try to diminish and say, oh, that's bad. That's my view on it is it, for me, it seems more like a, a negative ploy by people to try to try to have a reason not to want to use a sealer. Which or a is, product in general. Or yeah. product in general. Which is crazy to me because in every other part of your life, you want things to get better. You don't want to, you right. don't want to stay the same. You want them to continually get better no matter what that is. So for me, that's, that's the way I view it. And I've always appreciated that about you, that you're always continually as new materials come online. Because that's the thing about you, John, is yeah. you have relationships with all these raw material manufacturers, actual people that make these raw materials. And as new things come about, which didn't exist right. a year ago, 
and you're talking to them, they're like, hey, you know, we developed this new whatever it is, copolymer or this or that. Or you're like, Brilliant. hey, send me some. Let me test it. Yeah. And then you test it and you get better, better results. You're like, hell yeah, brother. Let, let's add let's that to this formulation. Let's adjust the formulation for that yeah. instead of just staying where you were. And so I've always personally, long before you and I were business partners, I always personally saw that as a benefit of ICT, that you're continually trying to take it to the next level. Yeah. And that just, that, that'll never end. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a side of me, the chemistry side it, that, um, well, number one, I said that maybe I, I, which I thoroughly enjoy, I completely enjoy it. I think sometimes, well, especially if you ask aim, she gets tired of hearing about it because I'll be like, come look at this. I didn't even think this was possible. Um, whatever I might be working on, but yeah, I, I, I completely enjoy it. So yeah, that being said, if, if that is something which, like I said, I, I'm not going to point out names. It was not the person I was specifically talking to on a couple of the conversations, but I do know it's no secret to me that that is a, you know, mantra of some of the other people out there that uses that to diminish. Eh, it is what it is. Well, I mean, we've heard this. I've heard this for years, but we've heard this yeah. over the last couple of years from from people uh, that sell a sealer that tried to tell people that's why you don't want to use ICT. You know, right. we'll never change our formulation. But as you just said, whether they don't know it or not, because I think a lot of times they don't because they're actually just repackaging or relabeling. Yeah, they're material suppliers, and that's okay. Yeah, they're, they're intermediary. Okay. They're in between you and the actual person making a sealer. But they may not even be aware that the raw materials due to COVID have changed dramatically. Yeah. And so the sealer you got two years ago and the sealer you got today, whether they say it changed or not, it's changed. Oh, it has to be. Yeah. It has to be. I mean, the, um, the continued push on VOCs, that's not ending at, at any time. And when I say push, I mean, like, and I keep coming back to the cement industry, but you know, that industry is being held to certain standards. And if you go beyond that, well, that's okay, but now you have to la label them as hazmat and some of these other things, which ultimately means costs go through the roof, et cetera, et cetera. And so as we talked about the paying a carbon tax towards cement, uh, and then ultimately they have to be phased out. You know, Environmental Protection Agency are requiring phase outs. It just is what it is. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so, John. I don't think so. Uh -huh. it, it, here's why I say that is this – industry, the concrete industry, is the Wild West. There's no oversight. There's no regulation. You can say whatever you want to say, and nobody's going to fact check you, and there's yes, no, nobody to answer to. And so when you say, we're VOC free, we're food safe, you know, yeah, uh, that's true. we're all natural, blah, blah, blah. And you open up the container, and it knocks you on your feet because, it, you know, it's got such a strong VOC coming from it. <laughs> or it's eating the inner lining out of the can. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah right. You know, but... There's there's no regulation to say otherwise. And so even though you say we have to market as hazmat, no, they don't. No. Who, who's going to make me? We're going to yeah, put food safe problem. on there. We're going to put it California compliant. Who's going to say otherwise, you know? Yeah. And so there's a ton of that in this in this industry. I think a lot of industries, honestly, you know, this train wreck in uh, in Pennsylvania and, you know, the, the acid rain coming from it. I mean, it's just like there's so much of this like Wild West mentality in this country where things just get kind of, you know, they slide. We, uh, we don't regulate them enough. So, well, I'll tell you the hard thing with me on, at least with ICT, 
again, I, I'm human, man. So, you know, stuff gets to me too. It, it consistently puts me in a position, especially when I'm talking to people and, you know, I'm extremely open with information. So I don't know. Do I not talk about things? Like at what point do I let people know? Should I not let people know? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because there's a lot of really cool things that I work on that, that are to me is amazing. Amazing. I mean, just some of the silane siloxane technologies that I'm working with now that weren't available not long ago. Um, colloidal technologies that weren't available. You know, I mean, I mean, these are things that I'll continue to update in the system to make it better, faster, stronger, more absorbent, less film, more raw, better enhancement, you know, blah, blah, easier to apply, blah, 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 blah. I mean, as an example, I'm watching, I just saw that video with Martin, and I know quite a few other people that are doing their sealer, or let's say their, you know, uh, what I call my wipe-on applications, they're now, it's taken this technology to the point that they can use a rolling technique that was, quite frankly, what I would have told you was impossible as little as six years ago. You know what I mean? Like, oh my God, don't do that. <laughs> You're not going to get it. You know, the reactions won't happen. Um, and now it's possible. So it's it's become even easier for people to use. And, um, and that was part of the conversation. Again, I'm probably going way too long in this, but how I've adapted the, as part of this conversation from somebody said, well, I really like ICT now. And I could see where she said, well, that, and so that bothered me. Like what, what does now mean? Although I put that conversation in context because the person that she was speaking with and, and some of the changes that were made and why ICT wasn't working as well. But here was the point to that, to me that I saw strength is having a direct line to that person allowed me to make modifications to come better in line with those changes. Like ICT now is based around mineral-based reactions where there was a time everything was essentially silicate-based reactions. Um, so I've taken it to plain, you know, to levels that was really unheard of, the ability to happen. So anyway, yeah. I see that as a strength. I do too. But I can certainly understand um, where some people would be like, yeah, no. And part of that would simply be, A, people's marketing stick, you know, whatever. Stick, John. It's stick. It's Yiddish. I it's know, not stick. stick. You stick. keep saying stick. It's not a stick. Yeah, it's not like a hockey stick. stick, bro. That's what I'm – well, see, I do because I feel like it's a, it's a stick to beat somebody <laughs> with. That, you know what I'm saying? So it's not their stick. They're their literally stick. trying to pull a stick out and diminish um, – I know that that's how I look at it. So that's why I use the stick. I know. I know. But anyway, um, yeah. but, but, but as far as it, you know, somebody saying it's good now, it didn't used to be again, that's mm -hmm. not a bad thing. That means you're continually trying to take it to the next level. There was a time. Oh, absolutely. In fact, took, took direct input from that person. Meaning not, not that she is, she said, Oh, John, how about changing this or changing that? No, we have great conversations. We sit down and makes me go, you know, first out to pencil and pad and go, hmm, all right, well, you know, well, you know, CHCA plus, blah, 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 OH, what are we going to do? Blah, blah, blah. And then from there, turn around, 
you know, call up some of my chemist guys that I talk with and like, you know, what, what do you think? What's your thoughts on this? Eh, shut up, John. Enough. And I'm like, yeah, because here's mine. <laughs> what if we do this? Oh, no, I don't think that can happen. Well, so, you know, instead I go back to my lab, you know, put on my dunce camp, figure out a way to make it happen one way or another, merge back out like Groundhog Day, <laughs> and go like, oh, it really can be done. And this is what I did. Dude, your level of persistence is biblical. Like you, no matter what, just keep trudging forward. Because I've heard over the last, you know, 15 years, 20 years, really, but 15 years that I've been using the sealer, I've heard so many people essentially push back against the technology. And, sure. uh, and you just, you just keep going. But there was a time when I first, when I first tried ICT, it didn't work. It didn't work mm -hmm. for me. And that largely had to do with my GFRC is a photon based GFRC with uh, metacalin and silica sand and whatever, but it just didn't, it didn't react properly with your version of ICT at that time. And, uh, and that was something that you were listening to that feedback from me. Yep. And there was another guy, and we've talked about this on past podcasts, but Jeremy French, that was also having the same issues. And you and Jeremy specifically started kind of coming up with adding poslins to the GFRC to get yep. it to react better because it wasn't, it didn't, it didn't react properly. And that was kind of the genesis to the whole, the whole. Yeah, altering uh, the moisture content. And at the same time, me with the chemistry, changing the ability. I mean, to the point like where ICT is now, again, this is solely comparatively speaking, there's still concrete out there that has to be X, X days dry, right? X days post-processing, you know, blah, 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 blah. Because, again, everybody knows moisture is a bane of sealers. We said it before. You don't, you know, nobody seals wet wood. And so nobody's going to seal wet concrete. Well, ICT's got to the point now that, right, I can tell people to water soak your concrete before you start sealing. Well, you're sealing it while it's still curing. I mean, we, <laughs> we've done classes to. where, you know, three, four hours after troweling, you're right. applying sealer and then you're curing it with the sealer. Exactly. Yeah. So, so I mean, it, that's the, that's the direction I've taken it, you know, and I don't know, I see it as a positive. Now what moisture is, is not an John? issue. Moisture actually can help the reaction, speed the reaction indexes, uh, and speed its ability to penetrate where there used to be the same thing. You had to sit and wait four days and dry concrete and like, no. Here's the only thing that makes sense. Here's the only yeah, thing that I makes sense to me. You want to hear what it I, is? Yeah. There's a lot of Amish in this industry. That's the only thing that makes sense. There's people that do not want things to advance in this industry. It's yeah. the only thing that makes sense. So I think Jebediah and his brother Ezekiel uh, are like, no, John, leave it the way it was. We don't want right. progress. You know, uh, we want to take our horse and carriage to town. So please don't advance our sealer. We want it to be the way it was in the 1800s. But other than that, I think everybody in the world wants things to get better. You want your computer to get better. You want your car to get better. You want your whatever, everything, your insulation in your house. Everything is advancing. So that is yeah. a good thing. And you want the people that you buy your products from that develop the products, not just the supplier. Because like I said, there's a lot of people in between that are relabeling things. But you sure. want the actual product uh, developer to continually want to improve their products, whatever that is. It doesn't matter what it is. You want them to improve it. Well, I certainly don't know a chemist, and maybe that's the difference in, you know, uh, in ways of thinking. That's, that's the way chemists 
look at things. Yeah. There's this continuation, you know, as, and, you know, where we were with certain chemistries 10 years ago or whatever. I guess it's what I was thinking about the other day. What um, semiconductors. Literally, I got a guy building a house behind me who's in that semiconductors. And we were talking one day and he was we were talking about just the last 10 years, how semi, you know, like. And we've all said this. So that that thing we call a phone that sits in our pocket. 10 years ago, everything in the ability of that phone, you know, couldn't fit in a stadium, right? But as advances in that industry, which continue to excel advances in that industry tenfold, and then the next one hundredfold, and the next advance a thousandfold, and you know, so forth and so on, within a very short time, now we have the power that fit in a stadium fits in our pocket. Yeah. And, uh, I guess that's the way I look at these technologies and chemists look at it that way is take what I did yesterday and how do I advance it for tomorrow? Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and, and taking environmental friendlinesses and, you know, so forth and so on. And uh, anyway, but uh, to me, that's how a chemist thinks, but I can certainly see where other people don't. I think everybody sees it, sees the world that way, no matter what it is. Yeah. Industrial designers, you know, you think, uh, Apple and all these, you know, they're continually trying to refine and improve everything. Absolutely. That's yeah. just what you want to do. Well, your hope is it's bettering your life. And at least from a concrete point of view, and I know I've said it again, the ability now for me to cast something on Monday, cure it, but you know what? I want to talk about that today too, but we'll get into that in a minute. Cure it, process and seal the next day without worry about sealer failure. In fact, by doing that increases sealer potential and the ability to actually have it be set for install that afternoon or as soon as someone comes and picks it up or, I mean, come on, man, that is, that's amazing. I think it is I amazing. Think that's John. amazing. It is amazing. So let's talk about curing. What do you want to talk about curing. with that? Yeah. You just said you want to talk about it. Let's talk about it. I do. Let's talk about let's it. Talk about the it. thing I wanted to talk about is I know we brought up on, on several of the, pages, ICT, Kodiak, maybe we brought them on some of the other forum pages, but we had introduced these temp cubes and the idea, which by the way, I'll put a link on the, uh, if you go to Kodiak pro to this podcast episode, I'll put a link to where you can buy those. Yeah. The temp cube. Yeah. 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 They're there. Anyway, the, the difficulty over the years that I've had, let's just talk tech support. I've heard so many Let's say when it seems very realistic at the time, like, yeah, I waited 12 hours or I waited 14 hours. I was reading some of the posts lately related to cracking on a few incidences. And and there's this gray area that so many of us have lived in for so long that had to do with curing and what, you know, and then what we call proper curing versus non-proper curing and, you know, and all of that typically related to what you covered your concrete with, uh, you know, again, how long you left it covered and insulated and et cetera, et cetera, but no data or data, however you looked at it, no data to go with that. It was all theoretical. We all, it was all theoretical. Yeah. 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 And most of it, at least on my end, was based on testing, like, you know, compression testing and so forth based on, X timeframes and so forth. But, but still, we didn't have anything that we could literally look at to say what really happened. 
temp cubes. So I'm going to give you an example, temp cube. And I don't know if I can pull this up because I did not, which I'm going to now sign up for the $99 a year to have access to all your um, data. I cast what's today. So day before yesterday, what is that? Tuesday. So Tuesday, Tuesday, I cast a piece, right? It was an SEC cast. I finished it 11 a.m. Obviously way too jiggly, you know, to cover up. So I left the shop, came back to the shop about 2.30. I could put my hand on the back. So I set my temp cube. I covered everything up with insulation, a heat blanket, so forth and so on. Everything that I would normally do. Opened up my app, watched my temp cube. Now, without this information, oh, the what's, going, what's, what's, what's going on over there? What's going on over there, John? Yeah, you know, I even put this on <laughs> "Do Not Disturb." <laughs> it's just you didn't put it on vibrate, bro. I know, right? I put it on "Do Not Disturb." So, anyway, where I'm going with this is this: <clears throat> my shop was about 55 degrees. Okay, mixed up, did everything, cast, came back three hours later. I could touch the concrete. I covered it all up. John didn't even begin its quote unquote exothermic spike. It didn't even hit 90 degrees until 6 a.m. the following morning. And now the temp cube told me that. You see what I'm saying? So this is after insulating, covering, et cetera. But the cold shop temperature, because remember, my forms are cold, my table's cold, everything's cold. So it took till 6 a.m. the following morning for that concrete to actually hit 90 degrees. By 8 a.m., it was at just under 100. It held the 100, what I call the plateau. It held the plateau like I normally would expect for 12 hours beyond that, which now puts us at 8 p.m. the next day. And then it started its slow curing trend of that plateau into today. That to me is the kind of data all of us need because what that told me now, I mean, now if I had come in the next morning, like a lot of us do and you go, Oh, but Hey, look, the concrete's warm. Yeah, it's time to process. Hadn't even kicked yet. Well, but yeah, the realization is that concrete hadn't even kicked yet. Yeah. It was in so the early stages it, of exothermine. Exactly. Yeah. Instead of the it'd end been, stages. It would have been so green, yeah, that if it cracked or did some of these other things, then we'd be like, oh, what, what did I do wrong? Material failure. Ah! Yeah, what did I do? What's, what's wrong with this mix? Or yeah. did I put too much water? Or, or so many of the other things that we throw darts at the dartboard when the reality is now I had the information to actually tell me like, yeah, no, John, uh, you did everything right. But – because of you know the the conditions that concrete literally just started curing two hours ago. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Because so this I is something I I would have anticipated, or I would have correlated when I come in the morning and it's warm. Oh, it exothermed overnight, and now it's come back down. Right. Yeah. That's okay. everybody would think that. Everybody would think that. Yeah. Absolutely. Same thing. Same thing we thought when we were in. Um, at, at Dusty's, yeah, right. When we came in, like, wow, that's kind of weird. But yeah, whatever. Probably happened during the night. Uh, so I'm, I'm so thankful. So to those people, you know, get these, get these into what you're doing, 
And I think most shops will at least cut another 50% of their problems or what they think are problems by having legitimate information to fall back on, on what their concrete is truly doing. Yeah. So, I mean, here we were, if, if there's no question in my mind, if I had come in like I would normally do and start pulling that, pulling my forms at eight o'clock that morning, you know, done my processing, my acid scrub or whatever I'm doing. If let's say whatever, let's say some micro cracks or whatever, you know, I would have been like everybody else. Oh my God, why'd that happen? That's weird. I haven't seen that happen. Well, here's the thing you would do is you'd say, why did everything the way I've always done it? Right. Because that's the other thing is when, I mean. when we talk to people for tech support, well, tell me what you did. Well, I did what I always do. Okay, but what does that mean? Well, it's what, what I always mean? do. But what right. does that mean? Yeah. And, and there's not really a good answer, but we, you know, on this side of it, because we're on that side of it forever, and we still are because we're still casting for clients, but on that side of it, you're not collecting data. But on this side of it, on the tech support side, if somebody does have a problem, we need as much information, empirical data, not just, I did it the way I always do it. Right. No, no. What did you no, do? I agree. And, yeah. and once again, what an eye opener, uh, you know, uh, before actually implementing these temp cubes, I had no idea how would I get Like you said, how would I, well, now I know at literally, so like I said, I covered up about two 30, let's say three o'clock that afternoon, that concrete was still shop temperature, 55 degrees midnight that night. It was only at 83 degrees. Oh, you know what this is, John? What? I've told the story before, but it continues to ring true for all these different instances. When I was a kid in first grade, my teacher wrote dirty notes to my mom. Well, not dirty notes, nasty notes oh, to my mom. Right. Saying that I was a horrible student. My mom took me to the eye doctor. Turns out I couldn't see it. I got glasses. Then I was a perfect student because I could see the board. But up until that point in time, up until I went to the eye doctor, the only way I'd seen the world was one way. I didn't even know another way existed. I didn't know what clear was because I'd only seen the world in this way. Mm-hmm. And only after getting glasses did I realize I couldn't see. But I didn't know that I couldn't see. I didn't know what I didn't know. And for us in this industry, specifically curing, we've gone all these years just assuming this is the yeah, way it is. It. Yeah. Yeah, winging it. We didn't yeah. have any clarity. We didn't have any, we didn't have a resolution of information. And now mm-hmm. we do. Now we have data yeah. and we can see what's actually going on, which we didn't have before, which is super powerful because that's going to really solve so many issues that people are having. So many issues. Yeah. And I just implore anybody, I think they're 50 bucks. I mean, they're, I think they're, they're not bucks. crazy expensive. Are oh, they really? 50 or 100? <clears throat> I don't know. But whatever they are, it's worth it. It yeah, saves you from one project from being recast. Yeah, it's, worth it's worth it. it. Yeah. Absolutely. Because one thing I put out there for for years now, but but again, it was one of those like massive gray areas that you like to see that exothermic plateau, as I call it, for like, I'm going to say a minimum of 12 hours. But the same thing, I'm using this experience. If, at 2.30, uh, why would I have not expected that that to do its job at 10 at 10 o'clock that night or midnight? You know what I mean? Yeah. That by, and when, so that 12 hours really meant that by the time I came back at 8 AM, well, of course it had to, I mean, look, the, I can feel it. The concrete's warm. It must've been warm all night. <clears throat> now I open that app and realize like, Oh my God, that plateau didn't start until 6 AM. That's morning, that morning, excuse me. And then you can watch it. You wa- I mean, literally watch the plateau go till 
just about seven o'clock, eight o'clock that night. And then you can see it starting to dip. Now I didn't change the temperature in my, you know, I didn't change my layers of insulation. I didn't change the setting on my heat blanket. I didn't change any of that stuff, but now I had something that could actually tell me where my concrete is. Um, and what does that mean? So anybody maybe rolling their eyes like, well, what does that mean, John? I'm still going to say 90, at least 90% of sealer failures out there. I'm not saying every product's amazing, but 90% of sealer problems will come back to concrete and concrete curing. And all you know, sealers, and I know, not, not just ICT, but any sealer. Yeah, I mean, all sealers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, all sealers, you know. Um, and this could be one very inexpensive tool in the toolbox that people could use to give a much better understanding of the substrate you're using and is it, you know, is it compatible with the sealer you're using yeah. rather than just like so many of us, you just winging it, winging it. And the next thing you know, you're blaming the sealer, you're on the hamster wheel. Oh, I need to try another sealer. No, I need to try this one. Um, and then you've, you've never really implemented, I don't know, is my concrete ready for that sealer? Is this coating better than that coating? Is solvent better than water-based? Is it da, 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 da? I mean, all that's such conjecture. If you could deal with the substrate, I think, you know, there'd, there'd be a lot more uh, success with people. It's not going to change what your choice is, good, bad, or otherwise. You know, I mean, we, again, that's, that's a whole different sealer conversation. But at least in this case, I think that would solve so many tech problems that are out there if people would implement this and have that information at their disposal. I agree. Speaking of sealer, one thing I did see was interesting this week was somebody, I, I think they're fairly new to concrete, but they'd heard about UV sealer, mm. UV cured, and they wanted more information on it. And they, they asked a question on a forum about, or a Facebook group about what they should Google. And I said, if it were me, I'd Google sealer that will ruin your business. That's one way you could do it. <laughs> yeah. Or sealer that will give you skin cancer and lung cancer. That's another one that you could search to find the sealer. And I was, you know, and I said, I'm just kidding, but I'm not because this sealer and another one called EAP literally bankrupted a big portion of this industry at one time. Yeah. UV sealers. And I, the only reason I'm going to this road is because we're talking about sealer right now. But for people that are new, that are listening to the podcast, you're new to, to concrete and you're like, oh, UV sealer. You know, it's like bell bottoms are coming back. Everything comes around again. Everything old is new. And yeah. so that technology has already gone through this industry once. And like I said, a lot of people went under because of it. <clears throat> but that technology initially was developed for the dental industry, from what I understand. That's the first use of I UV. still do. I just had a tooth fixed. Yeah. So but that's, that was cured, where it yeah. was used. And then they're like, well, the people that made the that coating that was UV cured. Well, what else can we put this on? Well, let's try this. Let's try that. Let's try metal. Let's try this. And then eventually it worked its way to concrete. And they're like, well, maybe it'll stick to concrete. I bought one of those lights. I bought one of those lights, 2,000, 3,000 bucks. You have to get this proton pack, this thing yep. that, you know, is. I actually was at a class where it caught the mold on fire, which was pretty funny. I'll tell you about that in a second. But you have to buy this light, then you have to apply the sealer, and the sealer stays wet, and all the dust in the air is landing in it. And they're like, well, that's a benefit. No, it's a detriment. I'm telling you, it's a concrete shop. There's dust everywhere. And then you got to use this light to cure it, and it's super thick. Then you got to sand, 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 and you're breathing all this toxic dust, sand, 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 to like make it look halfway decent. And then you're, you know, then you get this coating on your concrete that inevitably, for almost everybody I know, besides one person that I've heard from so far, everybody I know that coating came off. 
it delaminated. Eventually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, not the next day, although probably some people it was the next day, but everybody, including me, that used that sealer, it came off. And it didn't take long for yeah. it to come off because I stopped using that sealer probably two or three months after I started using it. I only taught oh, sorry, one. Amper Peel. Amper that, Peel. That was the code name. Amper yeah. Peel. It was Amper Seal, and then we called it Amper mm-hmm. Peel. That, that, I only taught one class with that, um, that technology. I remember um, Paul, a guy that worked for me at the time, uh, he went down and got a Ghostbusters costume because the light looked like the proton pack from Ghostbusters. And when he applied the sealer, he was wearing the Ghostbusters uh, costume. But yeah, yeah dude, it, it was uh, a very, very problematic technology for concrete. Is what I'd say. Oh, I agree with you. But see, and I'm going to go to the technical side. I think the reasons for it's problematic wasn't that it doesn't work. It, the The problem is the people trying to get it to work in a situation it was never designed for. Ba- back to what we were just talking about concrete and curing. Well, there you go. Uh, we, we were putting a this plastic coating. Uh, wet and so forth on concrete that none of us knew was cured, right? Maybe it wasn't dry, still wet. None of us knew. And then ultimately we're using this thing that we called a UV light that none of us, do you hold it 12 inches? Do you take it closer? Do you run it an inch? (laughs) Do you go back and forth, up and down? Do you take it in circles? There was no, you know what I mean? There, There was, there, there was no specification on how to use this. So if you had the light too far away, did it not cure right? So then you thought, oh, well, it had to be closer, but then did it cure it too fast? You see what I'm saying? I mean, there was, there was just so many unknowns that it was just an ultimate failure. And yeah. if there are some people that had success, and I like one, I do know he posted it. He's still got a, in his own home, very successful with, so whatever he found. That was uh, John Farley. John was, Farley, that, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the one person I heard from that didn't have a failure. Yeah, Everybody else I, I know had a awesome. failure. I think that's awesome. The difficulty with John would be this. How could, you know, could he, because the rest of us couldn't, could he effectively reproduce those results? In other words, how did he hold the light? How far away was the light? How old was the concrete? You know, how, you know what kind of concrete? How was it processed? Because now we all know, and we've talked about this before, how you process your concrete has also a lot to do with the success, which whatever choice you're making. And when I say success, I don't mean for seven days, you know, I'm talking about like, ultimately, like in John Farley's case, did it help hold better? Um, I don't know. So to me, adding something like that UV light, that in of itself, without a, like, you have to hold it four inches or it came with rollers or, you know, something that didn't change the way that light was used, then that is, and will continue to be a, a, a big problem. Yeah. So let me tell you what happened with me. I did a class for surface 519, Troy Thompson. And the class was held in the basement of a building they had at the time. And it was in, um, where was it? It was in, Des Moines. It's a hard city for me to pronounce. Des Moines. Des Moines? Des Moines? I don't know. It's, it's a weird word. Um, but it was held in a basement. And the basement was like from the movie Saw. Like it was cold and damp and there's water dripping and there's lights flickering. And there's like rats scurrying around in the corners and stuff. It was just this cold, cold, dark, damp basement. That's where the class was held. And we were doing a fabric form 
sink mold and we were using polyester resin, but it was so cold and so damp down there that the resin would not exotherm. And we were maxing out the MEKP catalyst. We we're at the very, very top end of what you're supposed to do. Otherwise it can catch on fire. And it still was not curing. I mean, we let it set for hours and it was still tacky. And somebody got the idea that uh, why don't we take that UV lamp over there because this was still when Amper Peel was was in its heyday. Let's try that because it's going to put out heat and see if it'll make that that polyester resin set. And so Troy gets it and he goes over the mold very slowly. And sure enough, the heat from that lamp, because it's putting out some heat, heat from that lamp got it to set. Great. We do another coat of resin. Use the lamp, go over it. Now, the lamp, the, it's not the UV that's making it set. It's just the heat. And uh, we do that a few times and we're like on the third or fourth coat. And there was this, I'd say elderly gentleman. I mean, I'm getting close to his age, but he's like 70, 75 maybe in the class and him and his wife. And uh, he's like, Hey, can I try it? And the light's heavy, dude. I mean, that light wasn't, wasn't very lightweight. I mean, it probably weighed, I don't know, I'd say 10 pounds between five and 10, but it was heavy enough that your arm would get tired going over a piece back and forth slowly. So I was like, yeah, here, here you go. So I give him the light and he starts going over it. And I walk away. I walk maybe 30 or 40 feet away to like this little snack table. And I'm like just eating some snacks. And I look over and right when I look over, the mold ignites. <laughs> just fire. Because he's going too slow and he's like too close to the form. And the heat actually ignites the resin. And before I can do anything, the guy takes his arm and just hits the mold and knocks the flame out. Which was crazy because now his arm could catch on fire because now he has resin yeah. on his arm. But it didn't. It didn't, luckily. And we ended up scraping off all the charcoal and uh, applying more resin. And at the end of the day, the sink came out great. But that's that's a little story with the uh, the amper peel light. So if anybody wants to try it, you know, try it. But I would say just based on the history of that sealer for concrete, it's not the best option. Yeah, I, I would definitely say there's there's so many points a that failure. could go sideways. Yeah. yeah. You know, just, just in the light itself, the size of the light, how far away from the surface. I mean, there's so many things there that, I don't know. I, I, I just know I'd be one of those to say extremely cautious unless you could find some, I think Mike Wellman probably still has his light. Get a hold of somebody. Don't, don't buy a light. Don't buy one. Maybe you can find somebody who still has one, Use it you as know, a tucked away now. on a shelf somewhere. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and give it a shot. But no, I, 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 to me, that's, that's one of those better left in the rear view mirror. So one last thing I want to hit on, on this podcast today is I was getting some DMS on Instagram from a, from a person and they were essentially upset at me and you for profiting off our concrete brothers with Kodiak Pro, for selling materials for this industry to to this industry, right? Okay. And they were they were saying like, you know, I can't even remember exactly what it was, but something like you know, yeah, keep profiting from your concrete brothers. And I just want to address that because I've heard I've heard that again that same kind of like diminishing, snide, sideways remark from some people that that want to you know kind of throw us under the bus. You're buying materials from somewhere. You're buying cement from Rapid Set or Quickcrete or Sacrete or Lafarge or Lehigh or something. White or Lafarge, yeah. I guarantee it's not a, a small family-owned business from two guys that work in this industry. So you're buying it from a big corporation. 
Yeah, you're not digging your sand out of your backyard. No. So that's coming from somebody. Exactly. Silica systems or, yeah, or U.S. silica or... Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, I just want to say like John and I, we do this for a living and we're, we're small business owners. We're family men. We're in your industry. We're essentially your neighbor. You know, when you, when you see all these things, shop local, support local, don't support big corporations. That's when you buy from us. You're shopping local. You're shopping mm. within your industry. You're keeping the money in the industry. You're not sh- shipping it over to Saudi Arabia or some conglomerate in China somewhere. That you end up doing when you buy from these huge conglomerates that got $20 million bailouts from the government with the COVID stuff. You know, it's just it's one of these things. It's like this thing. I don't know what it is. And I hear him saying this about us, but I don't hear him saying it about anybody else. You know, it's just like there's the other companies in this industry. I don't hear anybody saying, like, you're profiting from your concrete brothers. Maybe they are. I don't know. But it's such a stupid argument. It really is just a stupid argument. You're buying your materials from somewhere. We sell what we feel like are the highest quality materials for this industry, for what we do, specifically for what we do, this very unique niche artisan industry. And uh, there's nothing wrong with keeping your money local and shopping local and supporting local. So that's, I just want to say that. Good job, Brandon. Thanks buddy. Got that off your chest. (laughs) I've been holding on to that for for a few days. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't, yeah, I'll be the same. I don't really see that. Uh, again, this this back to what we talked about, Sealer. You know, I mean, uh, where we're coming from, and I'll continue to come from, is designing material around the needs of what we're doing. And I'm not saying anybody else isn't doing that. I have no idea. I I don't know if you know CTS Rapid Set is is looking at small shops and taking into account. Because this industry is so small, uh, but maybe you know, maybe maybe Federal White is making changes specifically for the volume of materials sold to this industry. Maybe doubtful, doubtful, no. but maybe because we're dropping the bucket for the concrete world. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and that's and that, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying this very tongue in cheek. Yeah, I know. So, you're um, you know, so I don't know. You know, if that gets held, whether that's against us or or any of these small businesses that are, are trying to create solutions, then I, I don't know what to say. You know, keep, keep doing what you're doing. So last thing, we have a workshop April 26th to 29th, Napa, California. Joe Bates' shop is called the Concrete Heroes Quest. It's going to be insane three and a half days. Yeah. Post-tension concrete, GFRC, sprayed, SCC, troweled, crazy, amazing class. So we are And ceiling. Up- and sealing. Yeah. And curing and design and lots and lots and lots of discussion. So, uh, your t- time and time again, sorry I'm interrupting you. Well, yeah, keep interrupting so, me, buddy. I know I interrupted. I was on a roll. If you want to come seal something standing shoulder to shoulder with people that are using these materials successfully, then come do it. Yeah. And you'll see what we're doing, why we're doing, what's being explained. Absolutely. So. You broke my train of thought, Sean. Oh, I was I was in the zone. You were on the zone. Jeez, sorry, I was man. going. Bad, I bad. was going down the tracks. Yeah. <sighs> Heroes Quest. Now we've derailed. And now it's acid rain and pets are dying. <laughs> Damn you, John. So anyways, where I was going with this is three and a half days, amazing class. We're up to 18 registrations right now. So 18 people registered. We're capping it at 30. And so we're about two-thirds full. I've received 
several emails in the last week of people asking us, there's still space. Yes, there's still space, but we're getting close. So if you want to register, go to ConcreteDesignSchool.com. You can read more about it. You can register there. If you have any questions, email me or John. We're happy to answer them for you. And I hope to see you there. Anything else, John? Well, uh, Martin Haddock is coming out. Martin and Ashley. Yeah. Yep. yep. That's true. Martin and Ashley. Turncoats. <laughs> is that what the British right? are called? I don't know. <laughs> uh, the sellouts. Uh, so whatever. that's what we got to sell you. We're going to bill at the sellouts. <laughs> well, the, the sellouts. class will be sold out. I can guarantee it. So yeah. in essence, we're all sellouts, John. There you go. There you yeah. go. Now I'm looking forward to it, man. Uh, that's, a, that's a great time in Napa for what it is. Uh, anybody who hasn't been to Joe's shop, and many haven't, it, it takes an even further opportunity to see how someone running an extremely successful business and how they set their shop up, set their flow up. Um, yeah, it, it's there's a lot of things that's going to happen in these three days more than just casting concrete. Three and a half, John. Three and a half, sorry. Yeah, that half day is important. Yeah. It's not just, it it's, not like, it's not like the pinky toe hanging out there. I mean, it's an important half day. I don't know. You that's can lose your pinky toe, toe and you're off. okay. It was too much. Yeah, but... Uh, yeah, that half day. There's a lot packed yeah. into that. So three and a half days, good time, deep dive, deep dive. We've talked about it in past podcasts, but the difference is versus our six-day class. Six-day class, it's a high-level overview of a lot of information. And we go into depth, but we can only go so far in two days per trainer. Right. Three and a half days on one ambitious piece and essentially one material consistency being SEC GFRC or spray GFRC, we can really, really go into depth on it. And so a lot of people that have registered, that's what they're interested in. They want to do that, that, mm -hmm. that deeper dive on it. So that's what this class is. First time doing it, a lot of interest. People are excited about it. I'm excited about it. Things can be a fun time. So well, another, I'm just going to throw one other thing, something we've been talking about. We'll see where it goes, but it'd be great to bring on a trainer to teach like the the foundations of forming so uh, that's one of the things we're going to talk with joe bates it would be really nice to get somebody who a lot of background and really knows forming <laughs> we haven't had that in concrete design school <coughs> i choked in my cold brew i can see that uh, but yeah john let the let the cat out of the bag Sounds like a good time to me. Anything else, buddy? <laughs> That's it, man. As always, good talking to you. <laughs> oh, I seriously choked on my cold brew. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a good time. Always, John Schuler. I look forward to seeing you. You got it, buddy. All right, buddy. Yeah, I'm getting right. I, I now I got to sign up for the Temp Cube. Yeah, ninety nine dollars a month. People year, listening, yeah. go to our website. I will put a link to the exact one that we recommend. It'll be on yep. the Kodiak Pro website on this podcast episode. So go read the show notes, and that link will be there. Yeah, and it's also via Wi Fi. I'm literally at home. Check your app, and you know exactly what your concrete is doing. Well, there you it, go. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, it'll solve so many issues if people will implement us into what they're doing you know technology it keeps moving forward and it improves our lives by improving john by moving yeah, forward the success of a shop there's no question about it well i'm in, I'm, yeah. I'm circling back to the beginning yeah. we talk about improvements a good thing you know i believe it is yeah yeah all right on that note all right buddy good talking to you adios adios